0: Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life & Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host. And what should I say? Dare say maybe bike riding partner this
1: weekend, Al? What do you say? Maybe, maybe we'll see. I thought bike riding season might be over, but we might get one more in. It sounds like it might be a good weekend. And I got to say too, I'm really looking forward to chatting with our upcoming guest here because a fellow dog lover and we just had a great story. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes, dog people, you just know right away. You're getting along. No offense to the cat people, but the dog people, you know, there's there's just that special bond. So I'm looking forward to this one as well. So joining us today is Monica Sarkar, who is the head of people and culture at On Call Health and a member of the People People Group. I hope we get to talk about that because that's pretty cool when I first learned about that. Monica started her career shaping public health policy and supporting youth and community engagement. After over ten years in public health, Monica made the move to software and technology startups with a focus on customer success, team leadership, training and development, recruitment, and coaching. In her downtime, Monica loves travel. Oh, so do I. Is an avid cook and a dedicated dog mom, as we said. So, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Robin and Al. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Well. You know, we're talking about here and I'm curious, why don't we start at the beginning? Because it's not a question we always ask, but I think in your case, and we've chatted about this a little bit offline, but how did you end up here? Like where you are? Because maybe it's not a traditional story about typically how people end up where you are.
2: Yeah, no, I feel like that's a a common thread when it comes to human resource or people and culture professionals. For me, it was a series of fortunate events is what I would call it. And professional and personal networking that just, I didn't fully understand the importance of networking when I was younger, but I just love to do it naturally. I've always been a people person. I became president of my school when I was 10. And I think that just kind of sets the, the groundwork for my love of interacting with people. And that just put me on this path. So I actually wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight years old. I had my entire future planned out by the time I was eight for myself. No one else did it. And so I went to school, I did a double major in human rights and law, and I did a minor in history, fully loaded, ready to go to law school. But at the same time, when I was 14, I got recruited to be a part of this public health group. And it was a really, really cool group in Ottawa, being run by Ottawa Public Health. And it gave me an opportunity to do community engagement and advocacy. And I did it all through high school and then i did it all through university to the point where i was doing an overloaded course load at school as well as working full time hours for public health because it was just so exciting i got to go into high schools as a young person and engage with high school students and you know encourage them to be involved in community engagement and how they can shape public policy and that was all a strategy to improve the health and well-being and the social determinants of health of young people in Ottawa. And it was actually a really great strategy and it worked really well. Our objective was to reduce youth smoking rates and we did it. And I did that for actually about 14 years. And I did that with a lot of passion. But at the same time, I really wanted to learn something new. I wanted a new challenge. And so I decided to look into other industries where I had applicable and transferable skills And friends at the time were telling me about startups and they're run by young people my age or younger even, that they have these crazy cultures where, you know, you're not just a number, there isn't red tape. And all I knew at that point was like red tape and public policy. And so I decided to see if I knew anyone in my LinkedIn professional network that worked at a startup. And I did, reached out, asked for a referral, and I started at a company called Flip. A lot of people might know it. It's the app that helps you be mindful and strategic about your shopping and find all the good deals, et cetera. And so I started from there and there I just wanted to be an account manager and I had been a people leader for a while in public health and at my other nonprofit that I was a part of, but just... Through the desire of wanting to help others grow, I guess, and coach and doing all the training and development that I had done for so many years, I was able to move into another people manager type of position, Um, but never in human resources or HR. I was just helping the training and development and coaching of a team at Flip. And then from there, I've just been able to join so many different startups. And then most recently, that's the beauty of startups is that you know when you join a startup, it's a small company, you're building the plane in the sky while it's flying, and you're getting to wear a lot of different hats, and you have the opportunity to have what we like to call it on call health, extreme ownership, where you, you know, something comes up, no one's necessarily assigned to it. It's something that needs to be done or it's a problem, someone needs help, and you have the opportunity to just jump in because it's a startup, everyone's scrappy, everyone's working together, you're collaborating, you're in a dragon boat together where you're all in the same boat, paddling towards the same goal versus in other companies where everyone's kind of in their own little silos. And so I joined On Call Health in June 2020 as a customer success manager. Customer success was something I really wanted to learn and become an expert at. Six months down the line, I was approached by the leadership team if I wanted to be the new head of people and culture. We didn't have anyone in HR. And I said no at first because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get into it. I'd never had positive experiences with HR in the past, to be perfectly honest. And they encouraged me. The leadership team is just very encouraging and very collaborative at OnCall. And they encouraged me. They asked me to think about it. They gave me the weekend. I started to do some research. I reached out to some folks who do HR and people and culture work in my network. And then just six months into the job at OnCall, I ended up moving into the head of people and culture. So it was a series of very fortunate events that did start with pizza. And that's a different story. But when I was 14, I did it for the free pizza. And now over 16 years later, here I am.
0: That is an incredible journey that you've been on. And thanks so much for sharing that. So I'm just thinking back as you're telling that story about where I was at 14. And the most important thing in my life was riding my bike at that time. And here you were on a journey that's just incredible. But I want to go back to that desire at such a young age to be involved with community and giving back and serving. And it sounds like you've taken that into the role that you have now but where does that come from that desire to help community and serve and help others because i think i've only chatted with you a couple of times but that resonates like it comes through that that's something that's really important to you
2: i think maybe it comes from the fact i come from a very humble background my father immigrated to canada in the late 80s and really had nothing and really struggled our family had to turn to things like the food bank and toy mountain to get by And so I was exposed to a lot of different community services from a young age. And from a young age, I saw a lot of the gaps in our community services, especially for like a young immigrant family. Like I was born in Canada, but you're treated the same way that your parents are treated, really. So I was exposed to a lot of that from a young age. And I think from that young age, I just decided like, I want to be a part of changing this. I want to make an impact. So I actually, at the age of eight, decided I wanted to get into family law because of the exposure I was having to that side of our society. And I think that's where it started from. And then I got the opportunity in middle school when I got to weirdly become president of my school. And then again, once I got to high school, what ended up happening is by my second year in high school, all the young ones from middle school remembered me as their former president. And so I think that made a huge impact on me. Of like, oh, you guys remembered like all the stuff I was doing in our middle school and you liked it. I guess maybe I should continue to do that here in high school. And it was just the encouragement of others and seeing the impact that I had had that really, I think just lit that fire under me to just keep going. Because oftentimes, and even from a young age, you know, there's imposter syndrome, you doubt yourself and it's seeing the impact that you can have on others that really just validates what you're doing and keeps you going and so you, you want to do more you want to put more of yourself into it and put yourself out there because you can see the impact and I think that's really important and I could see immediately the impact it had on those younger than me and that made a really big impression on me because I didn't necessarily grow up with the best role models but then to get to be a role model and see what it did for others like that was huge.
1: Good for you for having that vision when you were, you know, very young. You said eight, 14. I'm still not sure I know what I want to do when I grow up. So always jealous of people who can see that right from a very young age and then work towards it. So good for you. Can we, I I do have some questions because you're in this role, head of people and culture Again, you said, you know, it was, it was a journey that you weren't planning on taking, and, and certainly that was not necessarily the destination. So you don't have this background at HR at all. So how did you know where to get started? You're in this new role, uh, mm-hmm. no background. How'd you know where to get started? And is there anything that you can credit for your success looking back?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely my professional network has been a fantastic resource and support throughout my career. I never would have ended up at On Call Health, actually, if it wasn't for the people I was connected to through LinkedIn and through my previous workplaces. I lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic and my partner did as well. We both lost our jobs within a two week span. Terrifying time in our lives, along with the rest of the world because we're finding out hey, it's a pandemic. What does that even mean? And I had just done a post on LinkedIn And the amount of support and messages that were pouring in. And then I found out the amount of people that were sending my resume off to each other and to other companies and such. And then a friend of mine that I had worked with at Flip had reached out and said he was at On Call Health, told me all about it. And it was fantastic. And within six weeks of losing my job, I was signed with another company. Actually, it was four weeks within losing my job because I asked for two weeks to just wrap my mind around everything that had happened. And so then... Six months after that, when it came time to then figure out how to be the head of HR or head of people and culture, and did I want to take this role? What I did is I turned to my network again, and I reached out to someone I used to work with at Flip. His name is Mike Bentley. And he told me about this amazing community called the People People Group. And it's a Slack community. And now we're at over 3,000 members. And he said, Submit an application to join the People People group. It is for human resource and people and culture people, mostly based out of Canada, but have started to go international. They have members out of Berlin and Nigeria and a bunch of different places around the world. And you can go in there and you can actually just pose questions. There are different channels where people are always posting resources and content or templates. Someone will sit down and spend six weeks building this new policy template and they'll just post it. They'll just share it for the whole community to then use for themselves rather than anyone having to reinvent the wheel. This is a community that will really support you. You can go in there and you can ask all sorts of questions. And so I believed Mike and I kind of believed Mike. I was like, this sounds too good to be true. But I submitted an application. It got accepted within a couple of weeks because, like, the People People group gets hundreds of applications every month to be a part of this community. And I went in there and I just got lost for a few days just reading all the content. I learned so much so quickly. Then Mike told me, DM some people, just direct message them on Slack. You know, you have some other people in there that you'll recognize and know from the other companies you've been at, and just ask if they'll have like a 20 minute informal meeting with you to share their insights. And so I did. He also told me to post a question in general, like, hey, what would you recommend a new person who has never done human resources or people and culture work before? Like, what would you recommend they start with? And I did that, so I direct messaged some people, I posted questions in general, And the amount of information that came flooding in, people asking me for my email address so they could send me their playbooks, send me their guides, send me their resources that they had developed. And I genuinely don't think I would be as far as I am in this role at OnCall and would have been able to do as much as I've been able to do and have been able to build for OnCall if it weren't for the People People group. So definitely credit that amazing community for my success.
0: That's a great name for in that circle, right? The the people, people group. So I love, I love the name to begin with. But I want to go back to something you said, because I heard head of HR, but then you corrected yourself and you said no, <laughs> right? You, you corrected and it became a different term. So before I spoil the surprise, what was the term you used instead and maybe expand on that?
2: So head of people and culture instead of head of HR or director of HR or just anything to do with HR. And there's a reason for that, and it's any time I find, at least, in, in my personal experience as well, HR has had a negative connotation for the majority of my career, and I think it has a negative connotation for a lot of people. Human resources, whenever you hear that, is often the department that comes in to lay down the law, to slam down the hammer. They're the ones who are in all the negative associated meetings. There's a very strong negative connotation. So human resources is there when we need to lay someone off. Human resources is there is when someone's getting fired. Human resources is there when there's a performance improvement plan. And it's very negative. It's deficit-based. It's human resources is there when there's a problem. So for me, calling it people and culture was really important. And there's a reason that the community that I just referenced, the People People Group, is also called the People People Group because it's a strengths-based approach, it's people first. And we start everything from the human person first, people first approach. And so instead of being deficit-based of how can we policy people, how can we rule people, how can we legislate, how can we just control the scenario? It's what do the people want? What do the people need? How can we really serve the people? And so for me, when they asked me what I wanted my title to be, my boss and I joked. He was like, "How about like the head of party people or forget what he said, but he was like good times or something." <laughs> I was like, "That would be great. But for the purposes of professionalism, maybe we'll do people and culture." And for me that means that I can support the growth, development, and overall well-being and sense of fulfillment of my team and of the company rather than coming from that deficit-based approach that HR, whenever you hear the term HR, human resources, really embodies.
0: When I was 16, I remember getting a job at a warehouse and I worked there through high school as well as university. And I remember anytime you had to go see HR or someone was going to see HR, it was like, oh, Mike, what did you do? Exactly to your point, there was this negative connotation And the way you've just positioned it, to me, I'm hearing positive, I'm hearing supportive, I'm hearing development. So, you know, I love that this has kind of caught on. You see a lot more chief people officers, people in culture. I mean, so I think it's such a more positive spin. And to me, if I'm thinking, well, this is who I'm going to see, it's for help. It's not to say, oh, my gosh, here's what's
1: gone wrong. It's how can you help me get it right? So Mm -hmm. I love that direction. And to your point, Robin, I think, and maybe this is a result of, you know, what we've gone through over the last number of years with the pandemic and everything, but obviously there's a lot more focus on, and we've talked about it many times, just employee wellness and making the employees as part of the the overall team. And you mentioned being in the dragon boat, right? All going in the same direction, right? That's, I think there's a lot more cognizance and realization around that uh, part of it. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Talk about how you come up with your new ideas or goals, especially when, uh, again, you're totally I don't want to say new now, but uh, this wasn't something that you uh, necessarily were aiming for. So, how do you come up with uh, the ideas or goals that you're you're working on?
2: Yeah, thanks, Al. So for me, I start thinking about the bigger picture. What is it that I'm working towards? So for startups, we often talk about the North Star metric. You know, what is our ultimate objective, like what are we trying to change and do, and then work backwards from there. And so I would try to think of like the ideal end result, what should that look like? So if it's personal goals, and I do this with everyone that I have the opportunity to coach or talk to about their growth and development is before saying like, what do you want to do? I ask everyone, what have you done? Can you like sit down right now and write out everything you have learned in your current role or since you joined the company. And when I say everything, I don't mean, let's just talk about like customer success theory. Did you learn to use Slack? Had you never used Slack before? Let's talk about everything, write it all down, do an Excel sheet if you want to, you can give headers to it. And then after you've written that all down, you can only know where you want to go after you've looked at how far you've come. And so for me, that's how I try to think of ideas and goals. I won't know how to generate a new idea or a new goal if I don't self-reflect and spend that time on mindfulness and also just acknowledge my own accomplishments and my success to understand, okay, so what will new success look like? And it's only when someone has done that mindfulness activity of writing down everything that you've learned that you can then ask yourself, so what else do I want to learn that I haven't learned already? Is there something else that I can learn in this position or at this company that I have the opportunity for? And then the next step for me is an environmental scan. You know, if you feel like you've learned everything in your role right now, is there someone else in a similar role that you could talk to and ask them? The same question, like what's something that you learned in this position you didn't expect to learn? Or what's something that you're learning right now? And you could ask someone who's in the same position as you, or are you really interested in marketing? You're in customer success right now, for example, you're interested in marketing. Why not just book a meeting with the marketing team and ask them what's something new or exciting or what could they teach you? So I like to do an environmental scan. If it's an overall goal that I'm developing for the team, I'll do an environmental scan where I'll ask my entire team, I'll ask them to fill out a survey or I'll have one-on-ones with one or two team members per department to ask them, what do you think we need as a company? And get a better idea of where we're at in the eyes of the team and where they think we should be going, maybe something that they have learned or absorbed or heard about, and then start to plan my next steps. And I like to plan next steps. You know, we talked about the bigger picture, North Star metric, that's really big. And then strategic priorities, that's another big thing. But I like to plan baby steps. So, you know, I have the North Star metric or I have the strategic priority and I'll start to plan KPIs, but how do I get there? What are the small tasks that'll get me there and start developing that plan? Almost like a workback schedule, you could say, or a workback plan. So yes, so self-reflection, mindfulness, environmental scans, I think those are all the holistic approach for myself and what I teach others in terms of how to generate new ideas or goals.
0: Well, it's that time of the show, my favorite, because I love hearing the answers. I'm always curious, but it's time for Al's signature question. So Al, please take it away.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to ask this question because you shared a lot of great information and I've been really fascinated by your journey and by some of the things that you've already come up with and and shared with us. So here we go. There's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. Can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting?
2: I think the proverbial trees that I'm planting right now is the incorporation of diversity and inclusion as part of just the regular day-to-day in how we do things. And so if I just take on-call health, for example, instead of those types of activities being something as a one-off that we try to check mark off, you know, we did that this year. We did that training. It's, we're done. We can move away. One thing that I have incorporated is how can we practice proper inclusion and diversity on a daily basis and so we actually have it as part of our strategic priorities for the company and so we talk about it every quarter, we take a look at our metrics and we're actively taking a look at you know how many women are in positions of leadership in the company, what is our diversity like across the company, and we're not bean counting. We just want to make sure that our team is representing the community that we're servicing and the community that we are providing our platform to, because when you have diverse voices at every stage of the company, you have a stronger product, you have a stronger platform, and you just have a stronger team. And so the other thing that we do is when we were selecting an ATS, an applicant tracking system for the company, I decided diversity and inclusion is going to be the thing that we practice without even thinking about it. So I'm going to pick systems that support it just naturally. And so I came across an ATS that has this anonymized screening feature. So anytime a candidate gets submitted to our applicant tracking system, their name and anything to do with their name or who they are actually gets anonymized into fruits and vegetables. So say your name is Robin Bailey and you apply for a job at On Call Health, you will come into our system as dragon fruit, cucumber, honeycomb. And no one will know who you are or what you are. That's my new Twitter about.
0: handle, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dragonfruit, cucumber, honeycomb. That's a great one. And so what that does is it encourages everyone to look at resumes and candidates based on the skill set that is being outlined, based on the experience that is written out, based on the cover letter where they talk about why they'd be such a good fit. And our system just anonymizes who's coming through, and then we can pick candidates to move forward into the interview process based on their merits and not who they are, because everyone has that unconscious bias. It's very difficult to wrap your mind around it necessarily, but a lot of startups like to talk about, oh, you know, we hire people that we can have like a beer with, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a diverse friend group that you have beers with. And rather than having to think about that actively, I just have a system that does it for us. And so I'm really hoping what that means for us and for the young people that started on call is that just becomes like the basis for them as they move forward. Cause I know that not everyone's gonna stay forever. It is a startup, people move around quite a bit, but that diversity and inclusion and just thinking about it as a core part of your strategic priorities as a company, a core part of your daily practice just becomes like second nature. Just like using Slack is second nature for a lot of people. Hiring for a diverse and representative team also just becomes second nature. And I also, the third prong of this whole game plan is when I populate books in the company library, I've created a little company library in our office. It all has to just do it. It's either female authors or people of color authors or they talk about diversity and inclusion. All the books have to do with that. So I'm just trying to set the tone and just make it easy and natural for our team.
1: That is a great answer, but I think you undercut yourself a little bit because what I heard at the very beginning was what you were doing when you were in high school and 14 years old. And my thought was around how much impact did you have on some of those young kids that you were planting trees way back then And you probably don't realize some of that impact. And yet you did see it when some of those kids came up to you and talked to you in high school. So that's what I thought about. So I just wanted to add that in because I thought that was a great example as well.
2: That's very kind of you, Al. I never would have thought of that.
1: There's a reason why I love that question, because
0: again, I've yet to be disappointed by the answer someone has. And that was a fantastic (laughs) answer. The name of the podcast is Success Leaves Clues. And you have just dropped so many clues, not only for the audience, but for Al and I ourselves. We're running a company here, too. And I just picked up so many ideas. I'm hoping that uh, now that you've been on the podcast, we're in each other's networks, we can kind of knock on your door once in a while and and get some more of those clues because obviously you're doing a lot of things right. So I think that's a great note to wrap it up on. So thank you for joining us today and thank you for sharing your journey. It's, It's been an incredible story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at On Call?
2: Yeah, I want to say thank you first to both of you. Robin and Al, thanks so much for having me. And I know I at first said that maybe I shouldn't be on the podcast because of crippling imposter syndrome, but you've both been so kind and recognized quite a few things that I've done that I don't think I would have self-reflected on. So thank you for that. The best way to reach me, I think, is LinkedIn. So you would find me as T Monica Sarkar at LinkedIn. And if you wanted to shoot me an email, you can do that too. You can reach me at at monica.oncallhealth.com.
0: All right. Awesome. Really, really enjoyed that. I hope you did too, our audience. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends.